0: That's investher, H-E-R, con.com, promo code 100, best ever to get $100 off your ticket.
1: Is two things. One, it's like find people that are doing investing and then number one, specialize what you're great at. So if you're not a great at real estate, go partner up with someone and be their gopher. If you are great at business, specialize in business and find someone to do the real estate. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode,
0: are you looking for some financing? Maybe some more money to do your fix and flip projects? Are you looking to grow your fix and flip business well guess what got a solution for you it's fun that flip you know fun that flip matt rodak the founder of fun that flip has been on the show multiple times he's a friend of mine and they love working with the best ever listeners they provide short-term fix and flip loans to experienced investors they've got an online platform makes the entire process super easy and you can get funded in as few as seven days that quick so if you're looking for a reliable funding partner Go to fundthatflip.com. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P dot com. Best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluff. We've spoken to, well, Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, Robert Kiyosaki, the author of Rich Dad Poor Dad, a whole bunch of others with us today. We got Noel Kagan. How you doing, Noah? Noah Kagan's
1: good today, man. I think he said Noel <laughs> for a second. I'm great. I just told you I got from the dentist. Today's like a fix up. I was the doctor this morning, dentist now, and I'm going to go get uh, my chest waxed in an hour.
0: So you got all sorts of body conditioning things happening. And I'm glad in between those things, we're able to have a conversation. This is going to be an interesting perspective because I was talking to Noah before we started recording. And I asked, based on your background, which let me give a little bit about Noah. He is the founder of the product marketing platform SumoMe and AppSumo.com. He's the host of the popular business podcast, Noah Kagan Presents. He's created four multi-million dollar businesses. You can say hi to him at his website, which is in the show notes page. We're talking before and I asked, what's the best approach based on your area of expertise? And he said, well, I'm not sure if real estate makes sense for me because I can make a lot more money running my internet business. And so we're going to talk about, is real estate an unnecessary distraction to some people? And so with that being said, Noah, you want to give the best of your listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus, and then we'll dive into it.
1: What's up, listeners? All up in your earlobes. I worked at Facebook. I was one of the early guys there. I helped do marketing at Mint.com. I've been in tech 17 years. I'm like a dinosaur. And now I run sumo.com, which is free tools to grow your email list. And then app which is a Groupon for geeks and small business owners. And then I spend a lot of my day doing Noah Kagan Presents podcast where I present just different business people that I find super interesting or write about it on okdork.com. And then I've done real estate. You know what's crazy about it? I've been interested in real estate. I grew up in the barrier where it's always been really expensive and interesting. And so I've been trying to buy and thinking about it for like 14 years, give or take. And only in the past four years have I bought four places. And it's been definitely something I spent a lot of time thinking about.
0: Four years, you bought four places. Let's start there. Let's start with the places that you have purchased because I think as you describe those places, I suspect you're going to talk through why you bought them and your thought process.
1: Yeah. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I've read a lot of those like real estate confessional book and a few of these other ones. And I just never really felt that comfortable. And I think what it dawned on me is like, how do I really want to spend my time? And so I think if I had a traditional job, like my stepfather, who's an engineer, like 100,000 a year or 75,000 a year, you know, the best way that you can really grow your money over some period of time, it's probably gonna be real estate because you can't control the dial of income, right? You're kind of limited. For me, on the other hand, you know, I've started businesses and I'm, not, I'm saying everyone should be able to start a business, but the best use of my time was actually running businesses and trying to grow money that way. Where like with AppSumo, it's like, well, if we promote more products, I can make more money a lot better. You know, one deal can make 20,000 where a great real estate property will make 10,000 in a year and that's doing well. But I think one thing that people don't think about is I spent 10 years kind of looking at real estate for a long time and only when the numbers really lined up did I make a decision on it. And so the decision was we were running our company and I was like, man, it'd be great to own the building. And my friend Adam has a great quote where he said, "A dentist didn't get rich being a dentist, he got rich owning the building that he had his dentist practice in. And I've always really liked that quote and it's really resonated with me. And so I was like, well, we need a new office, let me go try to find one. So I found a loft that I could work out of it was 300000 and I saw it and actually the interesting thing about it was that it was for rent and I just was like, hey, can you just do interest in selling it to me? And they said no. <laughs> but I think one of the ways you get a good deal, at least my mindset with real estate is the only way to get a good deal is when it's not on the market. And that's just kind of like this mentality that I have really stuck with and maybe I'm dumb, maybe I'm not, but I find like if you can get it pre-market or pre-build or off market or creatively like reaching out or through referrals, like you'll probably get a better deal on it. And so that guy didn't want to sell it to me, but his neighbor actually literally that day was like, Hey, I'm putting mine on the market. And so I bought it that. How'd the neighbor, how'd uh, the neighbor me- know that you were asking about the other person's property? Yeah, it was crazy. So I went to the building, checked out this unit and the neighbor put out a sign and it was about to go put on MLS like the next day, but he put out a sign out and I just called him right then. I was like, Hey, I'll buy it. And he's like, okay. I was the first one I ever bought. And the reason I was able to make that decision so quickly was that I understood the math. I was like, well, I'm already paying six thousand a month in rent. A three hundred thousand dollar building, I was like, well, I can rent it to myself for three thousand. And the mortgage plus HOA and all that stuff all in will be like two thousand. So I'll make a thousand profit and it's half the rent that we're paying now. So it's good for the company and it's good for me. And I ended up, funny enough, Joe, was that like a year later the neighbor, the original one, I hit him up and I was like, hey, we're growing really fast. Can I buy your unit now? And he said, sure. And so I was able to get his unit as well. So we have the two units next to each other.
0: What'd you buy that one for? You bought the first one for 300.
1: Yeah, that was 315. And I still rent it to ourselves at 3K. I think the thing I wanted to consider is that like, I guess I look at it as like doomsday. Like even if our company goes out of business, could I rent it for this much? Right. And I've always trying to target me personally. I target 1%. Meaning if I buy something for 300, can I at least rent it for 3K? And that's the kind of the stupid formula that's worked for me. And so those were the first two I brought in the first year. But I think one thing I just want to share with your listeners is that that was after 10 years of looking, especially in Austin, in the Bay, Mm -hmm. wherever I traveled. And I think what the big lesson I learned from that, it has to be the right time and you have to be ready for it. Like even if you have to be able to say, all right, I'm ready to go make this decision. And I think would I've done it sooner? I would maybe, but I just wasn't ready for it until that moment. Mm -hmm.
0: So those are the first two properties and they're in Austin, both of them. Everything's in Austin. Everything's Austin. Okay, cool.
1: Those are the first two properties. That was after 10 years. What year was that? That was 2000, man, it was only like three years ago, four years ago, 2013, I think. Okay, 2013. And what about the other two? The other one is interesting. So I think two things that I I love, my friend Jay Papasan from The One Thing and Keller Williams Group, he said something really clever to me and I loved it. He said, never drive to work the same way twice if you're trying to do real estate. And I thought that was just so true where if you're going to work, just drive different routes and you'll find out about the area and you'll find out about properties. Mm -hmm. And so I go to work and then I know East Austin very well. And I saw a building that I just love the architecture. So I'm more about when I buy something like what I want to live in it. Am I like excited about it more so than it's just a good investment. And that's not a strategy others do. I I think they're like, Oh, can I make money? And is is, am I going to be a great slum Lord? And can I raise the rents and kick out the poor people and put in the rich people? That's just not what I do because I just, no, it's not the approach or what I'm interested in. What I'm interested in is like, I just love what it is. And it's something that I want to be a part of and and try to share. And so this building, I just thought was gorgeous. And I was like, well, if it's ever on the market, it it was on a Tuesday. And I said, if it's ever on the market, I'll buy it, a unit in it. And so like on Thursday, one went on the market and I bought it that night.
0: And so a condo?
1: Yeah, that was all the ones I own are condo. I'm like the condo king, the condo kid. (laughs) I'm not <laughs> a king at all. Yeah, but we'll call you yeah, the condo under, kid. I like that. <laughs> condo kid, yeah. The reason I bought that one is one, I love the architecture and the location was just amazing for where Austin is. And secondly, I just really wanted to learn about Airbnb and short-term rentals because you hear about it. This is 2014. And I just wanted to see what the math looked like. You know, that place was 315000 as well. And like, all right, for 60000 bucks, it's interesting enough for me to put up that much money or 70, whatever, 20%, 65, and learn what short-term rentals look like. And so that's kind of the decision easier. And it turned out I make at the end of the day, like between seven to 10% cash on cash return for my down payment. And you
0: said that you bought that one for how much? That was
1: 315.
0: 315, okay, got it. Before I move on. So Airbnb, you decided to go that route. Did you run the numbers initially not using the Airbnb model?
1: I ran both. And so I wanted to make sure if Airbnb got kicked out of here or if there's ever really legal issues with it in a city, which there actually was, that I could at least break even. And so I ran the numbers and I was like, all right, if I can make two thousand a month all in, then I can cover my costs and I'm fine with it because I just love the location. What
0: was it renting for? What was the projection?
1: Without long term renting is around two to two point three okay. for the locations in Airbnb, I was projecting somewhere between three and five K a month, depending on like how our big holidays do here. Like we have these big conventions and parties and a lot of bachelor parties and stuff like that.
0: Okay. And then the fourth property from the
1: Condo Kid. Yeah, the condo. Okay, that's cool. So I lived in an East Side loft, and I rented for six years, and I actually had a chance to buy it, and it would have gone up, and I just didn't want to. And I think that was kind of an interesting sign, where I think it was telling that, like I wasn't really excited about the place. And so there was a building coming downtown that was right next to the water plant, and it's like this power plant that was downtown, and it's the only one in the whole city. It's very historic, and there's a building being built there, and so I knew it was being built about two years before. And I didn't have a connection. So one tip that I would learn for myself or teach everybody else there is that hit up the developer or hit up the agents who have exclusive on properties. Like just be persistent with them because basically what happened in this building was that two years ahead of it, the guy who the agency who had the exclusive on it, he hooked up all of his friends with like the best units and the best prices and the best mm-hmm. parking. And then all the riffraff people like myself got like the scraps. And I'm super happy to be in the building. I love, love location, but the only reason I got it was I spent a year calling every week to get on the wait list. I was on the wait list for like not getting it. And so I called every single week for one year until eventually they're like, all right, you stop annoying us. We'll give you one. So I think in retrospect, if I was running the building, I would hook up my friends too. So I don't blame them.
0: Yeah. When you call, what would they tell you before they said, okay, fine, you're in? What was the response?
1: It was the same thing. It was like, you're still on the list. You're still on the list. You're still on the list. And my mom has this quote and I love it. It's the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Yep. And it's damn true. And I, th- I think one of the most things in business that people are afraid of is asking. So if you're doing real estate, like go practice your asking muscle. Like I always recommend the coffee challenge, which is going to Starbucks and asking for 10% off. And no one will do it. Maybe 1% of you will do it. And that's why you're getting what you want. But you got to go ask, you'll get rejected. And you'll be like, hey, guess what? I'm still alive. And I think with real estate and a lot in almost all aspects of life, you have to go ask for things and get rejected and then keep going and realize you're still alive and persist.
0: Now going more high level, you're a successful entrepreneur. And as you mentioned earlier, those 10 years before you got your first real estate deal intentionally. Can you talk a little bit more about the formula that you look at or your thought process in terms of, okay, you still didn't invest passively in a deal for all those 10 years that you could have?
1: Yeah. So I'll tell you what I've learned and where I'm at now. I think where I'm at now is probably more relevant to everyone else. So I create spreadsheets for every single one. And I use, they're stupid, simple spreadsheets. And I can, I'll send you an example so you can put in the show notes. But basically, I'm like, how much is my cost? How much is my mortgage? How much is the revenue I'm projecting? And then what's my yearly ROI? And if I can get like somewhere between seven and 10%, I'm super happy. What happened was about two and a half years ago, I was spending about half my day looking at real estate. And it takes a lot of time. If you want to get a good deal, because the money is made. I think a lot of people may know this, and I still think I need to really know it. But like, you make money when you buy it, not when you sell it. So I was spending like half my day looking at this and I ran the numbers. I was like, all right, if I buy a property, at most I'll make 10,000 a year. If I run my business better, I can make 100,000 or millions more a year. What's a better use of my time? I'm like, "Uh, (laughs) my business? (laughs) So let me spend my time doing that. And so where I'm at now is a few things. One, I use pierstreet.com. So basically it gives a chance for regular people to go invest in real estate without having to do the work. And you get first lien on the property. So if they ever default... People basically, if they want to buy a property, will go to Pier Street and say, I want to buy this as an investor who wants to put up the cash. And then I can spend my time on my business and then where I'm great at. And then let people who are investors go be great at that. And then I can get my 7% return from there. So I've put in like 60,000 on Pier Street. And it so far seems to be giving me good returns. And I do most of them within one year. So it's all these loans that are about a year out. Mm-hmm. So it's not like super long if the economy goes down. I'm like, well, within a year, I think things should be okay. Mm-hmm. The second thing I've done is looked for real estate investors to just learn from. So if people are young out there, there. Or I don't know what your audience demographics are like. My landlord is a real estate guy. And I was like, Hey, can I just buy you lunch and learn? And so that was a great way. And I said, Hey, well, if you ever have any deals, can you email me about them? So that's kind of where you start building out your network. And then now maybe every few months I'll get an email if there's things I'm interested in. So like two years ago, there was a restaurant building that someone, because of just like that, just like a lunch said, Hey, you want to get in on it? And then I got in on it. I can't say that deal has been amazing yet, but it's like, I did that deal specifically because I wanted to learn what do the economics look like for a commercial real estate developer. And they shared all their numbers with me because I was an investor.
0: Let's go back to the lunch thing where you reached out to the investor. You just met up with—is it a him or her? It was a him. You just met up with him. You sit down. What do you ask?
1: His name's Alan. He's my parking landlord. <laughs> and I was like, hey, you know, I looked up your website. It looks like you guys do really. What's cool a stuff parking? About. What's a parking landlord? Oh, I think people don't value their time very well. In my building, when everybody a condo, just a few things to check: check your cell phone reception and check your parking spot. So I was on G nine. And it takes five minutes to get up and down, which doesn't sound like a lot. They're like, oh, no, a little bitch. It's like, no, that's five minutes times five days a week in and out. So that's now an hour of my life every week for a whole year. Now that's a week of life that I've been driving up and down this building. And so how much is a week of your life worth? And so a week of my life is worth a few hundred bucks, at least a month. And so I paid that to a guy because I posted, hey, I want to get a parking spot. So he responded, said, hey, I'll give you the parking spot. And I saw he worked at real estate and I said, hey, can I take you out to lunch? And so at lunch, what I was curious about is like, how did he end up there? And then how does he like evaluate deals? So the things that were interesting was that he was actually an entrepreneur who sold his company and he was bored. He's like, well, let me do real estate. And so what he did was he went and partnered with people and followed on the money. Like they would come up with a deal and he would just give in cash. And then over time, he's like, well, let me try to do it myself. And I think that's what I've noticed with real estate is a lot of people start small and they just keep building up and up and up. And over time, they kind of specialize in some type of category. So he specializes in like, I think, 30 to 100 unit apartments that are kind of needing to be gentrified. And Mm -hmm. I called him out a little bit. I was like, dude, do you ever kick out the people that get gentrified? Like, do you ever evict them yourself? He's like, no. And I kind of think you need to do that yourself to really see what's happening and what you're doing with the properties. Mm -hmm. Which most people are like, well, I make 100 bucks a month. Who cares what happens to the people? And I just don't agree with that personally.
0: What action items or what, if any, Direction did you
1: change after having the conversation with him? Is two things. One, it's like find people that are doing investing, and then number one, specialize what you're great at. So if you're not a great at real estate, go partner up with someone and be their gopher. If you are great at business, specialize in business and find someone to do the real estate. And so it was kind of like focusing on your sweet spot was number one, and I think everyone should be aware of that. And if it's not real estate, fine. And you want it to be real estate, go learn, listen to this podcast all the way through, go on bigger pockets forums, go actually find realtors. Realtors will meet with a lot of people. And just be like, Hey, can I shadow you? Can I put up your posters and befriend realtors? And that's how you'll learn from it. The second thing that I've taken away from that experience was that as I'm doing property for myself, I want part of my formula besides that the math looks good. I want to be excited about what I'm buying. So for example, one of my ideas now, and, and I don't look at real estate as like how do to just create passive income. I like it to be interesting income personally. And one of the things I'm looking for is like, how do I buy a ranch? And I'm excited about a ranch because I think it'd be cool to create like a corporate retreat center so companies can go and have retreats and meetings and stuff like that. So from meeting with him, I realized that like, I want to specialize in kind of just creating properties that I would live in myself and I'm interested in myself. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily just like, oh, I can buy this and fix it up and flip it and things like that. That's not necessarily what I'm interested in. And that was one of the kind of bigger takeaways from how I want to evaluate real estate from meeting with him.
0: One question that's more geared towards your background and the success that you've had in your businesses what part of your experience that you got through your businesses have you applied towards helping make your real estate more profitable?
1: So I think a few things. I've done online businesses, AppSumo.com, Sumo.com, Sumo.com. I think a few things. So one, hiring. Like I've hired people. Now at, at Sumo, we have over 50 people. So I immediately hired a property manager for the Airbnb unit. And some people are like, well, you're making less money. And it's like, well, I don't even want to think about it. I don't even want to like have to know about it. And that's something that I think just running a business, I was like, okay, that's a good use of time. And the second thing is like, it's funny in the building I'm living in now, I was looking at buying another unit. And the way I found the other unit was that I actually didn't just like wait for MLS. I think if you're waiting for MLS, you're probably going to get a bad deal if you're especially as an investor. But I actually just posted on our message board, like, hey, I'm looking for another place. You'll you'll save 6% realtor fees. Plus I can pay a lot in cash. And it actually got me a few people that showed me their units that weren't even on the market. And I think what I realized from my own business and how I used it in that application was that if you want to get ahead in business, you can't be doing what everybody else is doing. If you want to do marketing, you can't be doing the same marketing your competitors are doing. So that way, you know, I went a little bit off market angle and I actually got like three or four people saying, Hey, I'm interested in my units." So I've been checking them out over the past few months.
0: Mm, Great stuff. Anything else that we haven't talked about, Noah, that you think we should talk about as it relates to your experience in, Real estate and then also kind of reflecting on your business success that you've applied towards real estate.
1: I think there's two things. So one, I came up with this formula called TST or this theory, which is test shit out. And the idea with that is I was about to buy this other unit in our building. It's about 700,000 or 800,000. And I was about to buy it. And I was like, is there a way just to test this out? Because I bought an expensive car last year and I was very unhappy the whole time. And I ended up selling it and lost a lot of money to get a 2004 Miata, which I'm so much happier about. And it was a good lesson and a good thing I want to share with everyone. Where like, if you're thinking about something to actually live in, is there a way that you can test it out? Like, can you ask them to Airbnb? Can you ask them to rent it for a weekend instead of having to do a full commit? So that's one thing that's been an interesting approach where, especially if you want to live in it, can you consider that? Number two, try to be a little creative. So like one thing is that you don't have to own the whole thing. Can you own part of the thing? So when we bought the church in San Antonio, I didn't buy the whole thing. This guy put together the deal and he just got all these investors and he actually didn't even end up putting in that much cash because all the investors did. And we've applied that. We bought a place in Budapest because there's a lot of these foreign countries that are really cool, low taxes, really cheap and fun. So my friend got 10 people, we each put in 10K and now we own a place in Budapest. So maybe that'll turn into Airbnb or for now at least, we're just, all of us can have our friends visit it there when we go. And so that's kind of a, just something that's made me reflect on real estate in general. Like I want to own a place in Venice Beach. But to some extent, do I really need to own it? Right. Can I focus on making a lot of money with the internet stuff and then just either Airbnb when I go to Venice or home away or am I like really wanting to actually own something that I can always come back to and that's something that I'm still exploring.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I remember talking to my roommate
0: when I was in college we were on the porch drinking some beers and I told him the first real estate property I'm going to buy is a house by the beach so I can see the waves crashing in and now knowing what I know I will rent it when I go there. I'll do Airbnb and then I'll have other people clean up after me and then I'll leave. I don't have to worry about the place and I'll make money in other areas of real estate.
1: I think that's the great part is like find your kind of angle, like either find the area of your town or find the type of real estate that you're excited about. Like maybe it's creating hostels or maybe it's doing hospitals or maybe it's restaurants or whatever it is and specialize in that. And I think part of the thing for me is, and I think it's hard for everyone is, but it's letting go of the ego. Like the greatest thing about real estate is that it's real. And everyone can see it and you can show it off. And I have 10 units or I have a thousand units and I'm bragging. And I think that's kind of an interesting thing about like, what do you really need to have when you're gonna be in the ground? And how is this real estate helping you accomplish the actual goals you want versus just making more money? And I think just kind of reflecting on that, for me, it's like, well, it doesn't actually really make me feel that much better. I don't think I'm adding that much to the earth. Let me not spend as much time on that. Let me just do the real estate vision I have. My vision is own a place on the beach in Venice, have my downtown pad here and then get my ranch. And I don't know when it'll happen, but at least I have that vision. And everything else, then it's just like, let it go. And that that part is hard. It's hard not to be like, well, I can make more money doing this. And I think what people don't realize is that, yeah, you can make more money, but that also takes time away from something else that's probably more important.
0: Great stuff, Noah. Where can the best ever listeners get in touch with you?
1: What up, best ever listeners? If you want to hear more of me, check out Noah Kagan Presents Podcast. If you want to grow your business, we have a bunch of free stuff at appSumo.com or Sumo.com. Those are the two companies I help run.
0: Outstanding. I'm 85% positive that my website uses AppSumo or some form of one of your companies because I've been focused on getting more conversions for the traffic that I get sent to my site. So, and I've heard a lot of good things about your companies, that's for sure. So, best ever listeners, go check it out. And no, really enjoyed our conversation. I was taking notes the entire time and I wrote down six keys that you've used from your lessons learned in business and applied towards real estate. One is if you want to get ahead, then don't be doing what everyone else is doing and your MLS off-market thing is an example. Two is hiring intelligently. We didn't really dive into that much, but nonetheless, right out of the gate, you immediately hired a property manager for Airbnb and you've scaled your company as well. Three, test it out or TST as you have that acronym. Four is can you partner on it? Does it have to be... You doing it the whole thing, or can you partner on it and go in together, mitigate the risk, and still get what you're trying to accomplish? Five is specialize in what you're great at, or as you so succinctly said, focus on your sweet spot, and then six, do what gets you excited, and that's one of your key tenants in how you approach real estate. So, thanks so much. I love it, man. That was great. <laughs> I'm listening, baby. No, you're I'm definitely listening. listening I,
1: can I can we do a bonus one? Because you just got me so excited. Yeah, hey,
0: a bonus six plus. The bonus one from the condo kid. What's the bonus one? Condo
1: kid. Is your most of your listeners just starting out or are they they like super rich with a bunch of real estate? It runs the spectrum. It really does. So I'd say two things. One, build your network. And here's the easiest way to build your network. Look at any building that you really like or any area or anything specifically that you like and just find out who the agent or the owner is. And that for me has actually been a great way I've built my network in Austin where I found the guy who's selling a lot of these condos and now I'm friends with him. And I found a guy who develops a lot of the East Austin. So I'm friends with him. And so you just hit up these people, you'd be shocked at like what you can get for a $30 lunch and what kind of like ROI and relationships you can build from that. And the second thing is you can meet a lot of those people going to charity events. I went to like this poker thing, it was $100, which I was like, $100, it's crazy. But at that event, I met a bunch of people and guess what, all these people hook up their friends. They're like, hey, wanna do a deal? Yeah, I'm gonna hook you up versus like trying to find stuff on the market or or things like that where, you know, there's not as much opportunity. So those are kind of the two ways I'd say, just think about if you're just starting out or even if you're going, already got something going, like I think about this for my business. It's like, how can I build my network and my relationships so I can have an advantage with that?
0: Love it, Noah. Thanks for being on the show. Hope you have the best ever day. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Joe Fairless. Love you, dog.
0: You want to get better at negotiating real estate? Well, how about, do you want to get better at negotiating real estate for free? Even better, right? Right. Well, go to fundthatflip.com forward slash bestever. Fund That Flip, today's sponsor, has partnered with best-selling author Jay Scott to provide you with a free chapter from Jay's new book on negotiating real estate. I've read the book. Lots of good real-world case studies sprinkled in there too. I love it when they do that. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash bestever to download your free copy of the chapter today. The Corporate Investor Podcast is geared towards successful corporate employees with high income jobs looking to create a second stream of income. You'll hear from successful real estate investors on the show as they describe how they got started investing while working their full-time corporate job. Listen and subscribe at thecorporateinvestor.com. That's thecorporateinvestor.com.